Brand Delicious. You're listening to the SEO Brand. I am your host, Morty Overton. You might know me as Wix's officially is on to the SEO community, but I will remind you this is absolutely zero, nothing, nada to do with that at all. This is pure, unofficial Morty magic. Where can you find the SEO rant? You can find the SEO rant at the SEORant.com. Wow, that was a shocker. Um, you can find us at SEO rant on Twitter or just follow me on Twitter at Morty Oberstein, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, wherever great and really terrible podcasts are found. We are there. I am there. Then there is no we. Um, great guest for you this week. This week we have, or th- this week, because there is, I totally botched my intro. There is no set time when the SEO rant comes out. Because I just don't always have time to do this podcast. So I'm not going to set a date. So you should subscribe. Not saying to be markety. Well, not saying that only to be markety. But it actually does make sense because there is no set release date. Great guest for you this week. Finally got that right. Um, Jess James, she's the account manager. You're at Erudite. Did I get that right? I can't I can't say that word. You did the second time. This time, first, okay. Not so much. <laughs> and there, in the pre-show, I got it a pre-show. Like I think it's a really official podcast. In the pre-show, I got that wrong. Um, and you describe yourself. As uh, you know, I'm sorry, you describe agency life as the dark side of SEO. <laughs> so it's Jess James. Welcome. Hi, Morty. Yeah, the dark side. I guess it's the dark side of digital, really. I um, <laughs> have a, a client um, a client side background. Uh, so I came over to the dark side of agency life um, a few years ago. That but literally makes me feel like Darth Vader is like roaming around the hallways of your agency. <laughs> No, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I don't want to get you in trouble with your boss. Sorry. No, Vader, no, we're not Darth Vader. Actually, <laughs> we're okay, not good. Darth Vader. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so it's funny on this podcast, and just totally not. There's no intention behind this. We have crapped a lot on agencies on this podcast. <laughs> totally not, not my choice. I hey, I don't pick the topics. I asked, I asked my guests, what do you want to talk about? And it's usually let's crap on agencies. But and that's not the topic today. That is not the topic today. What is the topic today, Jess? So today is not super strictly um, SEO based. I want to talk about web accessibility. Ooh, I know, shocker. That's- SEOs are like dying. We're not talking about SEO. Quiet, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of accessibility pertains to SEO as well. There's a lot of crossover. Um, There's tons of crossover. Exactly, which is kind of why I want to talk about it, because despite all this crossover, People just don't seem that interested. Um, no. And they're missing out. Okay. Share. R- rant away. Yeah. So um, I'm going to hold my hands up here and say that I'm probably guilty or perhaps was guilty of this as well before I started looking into this. Um, not really, uh, I suppose, not really concentrating on accessibility as much as I should have been as a digital professional, I suppose. I don't have an SEO background before I came to Erudite. Um, and I'd never sort of tried using a site with any kind of assisted technology. I never really tested using it without a mouse, anything like that. So I didn't have a real understanding of just how difficult it can be to navigate the web when it's not been built to be accessible. Um, so last year, we, um, as an agency, did a little bit of a study into accessibility in the UK, just to see how many of the most popular sites are actually actively concentrating on this and kind of passing audits, meeting criteria and that kind of thing. And it was and kind it of was interesting. Good. <laughs> and, uh, well, <laughs> it was a real mixed bag, actually. Um, 
we found some sites were absolutely fantastic, obviously so clearly made an effort to make sites accessible. Others, not so much, some surprises in there. Um, and uh, it was, yeah, it was just really interesting, particularly because what we found was for the most part, the really difficult technical bits of accessibility and making things sort of compatible with assistive technologies or screen readers or whatever, most sites do that pretty well. Um, where it seems to fall down is just really simple, basic on-page stuff. Um, so what we actually found was the most common uh, accessibility issue, according to the uh, WCAG guidelines, um, that we found was low color contrast. Um, that's not super technical. That's really, really easy to fix, but has a massive, massive impact. Um, so about 7 million people in the UK have a disability that will affect their experience on the internet. 7 million is quite a lot. Our population is what, 66 million? Um, and 70% of those actually would say that they will leave a site if they encounter an accessibility issue that impacts their experience on it. Yeah. So potentially losing 70% of those 7 million people right off the bat. Um, it's funny because, okay, when you like, when I think about accessibility, and I'm guilty of this all the time, and I should not be. Like my grandfather, my, one of my earliest memories in life is my grandfather was blind and he used to have his watch and it had a button on it that would, that would speak the time to him. Like it is now 5.55 and it was all, like he loved checking the time. So like all the time, maybe that's why I blocked it out. But I, I don't really, th I, I am so guilty of this. I do not think about accessibility the way that I, I should be. And I feel like, well, it's like, it's too complicated. How am I going to handle this? And you're saying it's not. No, I don't think, for the most part, it's not. Um, and for the most part, I think most sites uh, account for it really well from a technical perspective. And actually, some of the most simple things you can do can affect kind of the biggest pool of people that have disabilities that might impact their um, their experience. So like you were saying, people, um, blind people or people with a visual impairment is like one of the biggest disabilities in the UK. Um, but just really simple things like, improving color contrast so people can with low color perception mm -hmm. or some sort of visual impairment can just read your text better um it's, it's such a simple thing to do um and i think actually probably comes from a certain extent from lots of uh, organizations brand guidelines come from print mm -hmm. um, particularly older more established ones that started before people had websites brand guidelines are kind of established in print and then translated over to the to the internet but right. they don't translate perfectly, right? Because you don't read a web page in the same way that you would read a book or a flyer or a leaflet. Your screen's probably way further away for a start. So you just need to make text bigger. Right. 16 points right. Is, is pretty good, right? Um, but you wouldn't necessarily print a book in 16 point because that would be huge. <laughs> right, right. Thank you, imagine. <laughs> but SEOs would. Everything would be in H2. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And this is uh, great for us because we love it. We love headers. This is yeah, right up our alley. Yeah. But that's also bad, right? Because people that use a screen reader might use headers to navigate to different sections of the page. So when we come across people who are very well intentionedly, I suppose, for want of a different word, um, using H2s for the styling and less so for the actual heading structure, mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of fine for someone who's using 
their eyes they're visually perceiving a website because you can kind of visually tell one h2 from the next and, and what's supposed to be a subheading and what's not but if you're on a screen reader or even if you want to just tab through a, a site not using a mouse using a tab key that's so much tabbing if everything's yes. in h2 right yes that's a very good <laughs> that's a very good point um yeah so um those are the sorts of things that actually would make the biggest impact, I reckon, to accessibility on the internet as a whole are things like colour contrast, the size of your text, um, heading structure is another big one. Right. Um, but we also saw like enormous amounts of empty links and uh, images missing alt text or images that are actually buttons, but they're pictures of buttons with pictures of words. Right. A visual user can read words on a banner, but unless you're using HTML text in a banner, someone that's maybe using a screen reader, a screen reader can't do that. It can't look at a photo and pick out the words. So particularly where you're using headers and stuff for navigation or images for navigation, you don't have HTML text over them. You're really making these people fly blind. Yes. I mean, um, the fact that it's just not like if you have the text on an image, you know that Google can't read that, right? You you stole my next point. I'm not, I'm not asking you. I'm asking the audience. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. Um, exactly. So not only are you harming the experience for people with a visual impairment, people who are using assistive technology, you're just missing out on a massive SEO opportunity there. Just include some text, some HTML text that search engines can read. Because effectively, assistive technology is just a machine, much like a search engine that has to perceive your web page like a machine. Um, so yeah, um, empty right. links, missing alt text, big ones, big ones for SEO as well. Yeah, and by the way, for SEO, like it's, it's just, it, it is the same thing. Like don't obviously, I, don't, I, I see this all the time and I hear questions about this more often than I think I should. Um, you know, when you describe an image in the alt text, like describe the actual image, like don't, trying to manipulate the search engine to thinking that a shoe is really a bathing suit that's not going to work exactly but also make it useful for people that can't see that image yes. if it's a diagram or something there's no point in being like alt text equals diagram right. um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not good for anyone not google no one <laughs> also come on like can we just worry about the reader a little bit more than worrying about google pulling out let's be honest some random image that it's not gonna like I have an image of a shoe. Now, uh, when someone searches for shoes, my image should be an image search. Come on. Is that really what you're worried about? And obviously, I know image search is a real thing. That's how, by the way, is how I shop. Personally, I'll just type in an item and go through image search. I know that's insane. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. But there's actually a reason for that because, um, so I live in Israel and everything's in Hebrew. Right. So if I want to, if I want to like, not have to navigate all the Hebrew websites that I can't actually understand half what they're saying. So I go to Google Translate, I put the image in, I mean, the, um, the translation of whatever I'm searching for in, and then throw it through the image search. I can pull up the websites that I want without having to read or search. Yeah. <laughs> that's, but there you go. Like, that's also an accessibility thing, I suppose, in a, in a sense. Like, people who maybe are reading an English website, but English isn't their first language. Think about how you're, you're wording things. Um, can this actually be understood by someone that maybe doesn't understand the nuances of the weird English language and are kind of 
idioms and right. and figures of speech. Um, oh yeah, I'm the worst of that, by the way. Like I I totally rely on figures of speech and idioms. So Mike, if by the way, and if that's you, maybe somebody should edit your content. Well, maybe, maybe. maybe. Um, Exactly. And and not just for people who maybe don't speak the language natively, people with certain kind of uh, cognitive um, disabilities and things like that might just find that really difficult to use. Um, so do think about your tone of voice and how you're, you're wording things, particularly instructions. Um, if you're filling out a form or something like that, just read it back and go, can this actually be understood by someone that's maybe never seen this web page before, maybe doesn't speak the language, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do, you, do you think that maybe, it's a wild question, but is the issue accessibility? Obviously it is. Or is the, is the issue also like as SEOs, when we write content, we're not really thinking about, can the user even understand this to begin with? Yeah, I definitely think there's, a, there's an element of that. I think sometimes that's taken for granted a bit and we write content to be a bit maybe different or to fit a brand guideline that's maybe a bit flowery and tone of voice or we are literally just writing it to try and get it to rank um, but you have got to think about when people even if you do get it to rank when people land on that web page right you want them to understand. do something exactly yeah. you, you, that's not the end of the road you haven't just done your job then they're on the page hey, hand it over to someone else it, it does still need to make sense and, and you do still want them to take whatever action you, you're trying to get them to take. Um, so make sure that they can understand that that's what you want of them and, and that's where they should go. And these are the reasons why or, or whatever and, and make it clear. So um, like maybe we should have like accessibility optimization like after the fact. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think actually, to be fair, I think a lot of it is it's stuff we probably know that we should be doing, like image alt text. We know that we should make sure all our images have good descriptive alt text. We're also quite time strapped and it's quite easy to just be like, you know what, the content's live, let's just get it live. Um, and then it's someone, someone's poor job <laughs> to go through it all and scroll it for images missing alt text and, and make <laughs> hundreds of alt text retrospectively which is the worst job ever that is the Don't worst job oh thing. no there's there, there might be other worse jobs than that but that's pretty bad actually i think writing meta, writing meta descriptions might be worse because i hate writing meta descriptions well that is pretty bad to be fair right like, <laughs> yeah. and, and you guess you know like no one's even gonna look at it anyway <laughs> Don't just look for the bold words in the surf and that's i <laughs> wonder on that by the way if like if you just like wrote like random crap would anybody even notice Maybe we should do a test. I, I, have, a I have a, I, so I have a theory about transcripts on for, for podcasts. And I, I am going to do this at one point. I will get the, the, the backbone to do this. I am just going to write like random things in the transcription <laughs> and see if anybody knows. For sure. For sure. I mean, Google will know, but like, I'm not ranking for half the stuff anyway. So I know I'm a terrible SEO. I'm not ranking for half the stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Look at me. But no, I'm not ranking for half the stuff anyway. So why not? Yeah, for sure. But that's another thing. Podcasts inherently by their nature aren't accessible to people with hearing like impairments or disabilities. Right. If you're deaf, you can't listen to a podcast. So if you are doing some like purely audio content, just transcribe it. Right. And well, Oh, so now I can't do this. You just killed my idea because now I won't be accessible. Okay, now I can't do that. I can't, I can't write gibberish. A, a note for people that are reading the transcript. Right. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. Like, 
listen for the first two minutes because it's total gibberish and eventually the real transcription will be there. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. a good idea. Or I'll put it at the end. That'd be better. I'll put it all at the end. Got it. Okay. Yeah, you see it all the time on social media. You see the amount of people that are kind of embedding text in images on Instagram. And I think Facebook particularly are really good at writing and automating alt text. So they can probably pick it out quite well. Um, but you could just put it in the description too. Yeah. yeah. Write a caption. Exactly. Write a caption. Write a caption. It, yeah, you can do both. It doesn't need to be right, one. You can do both. I'm not saying right. you can't put images, text you, in your images. That's but... it, just one. Caption or alt text? Which one do you want? Yeah. You only get one. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Imagine. Um, uh, by the way, yeah. like, so what's funny about it's like, you know, we always talk about like um, writing for different audiences or different intents. Sure. But we don't think about, I know because like, I used to be a teacher and I used to very much think about this. We don't think about the, the different um, intents in terms of, the formatting of the content or the, the type of media that we that we show. You have sure. visual learners, audio learners, whatever kind of learners. I should remember them because I used to be a teacher and I don't. There are four. I know there are four. Um, and there's also like ideas like, you know, um, I used to work with a lot of kids with disabilities. So there was things like chunking their chunking the text. Mm-hmm. Right? So I, I actually do this when I do like a long study. At the very beginning, I'll put like, Here's what I found, top level, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Okay, now let's dive into this because it might not be for everybody to read through this whole nonsensical thing that I wrote. Like you have to spend 20 minutes on this, really? I wouldn't want to read it and I wrote it. Um, So thinking thinking about different audiences and the formatting and the type of media that you're using kind of plays right into both in user intent and accessibility at the same time. So why not? Well, exactly. And and for most of the stuff that we found that people really fall short on, it doesn't just help accessibility, which is what I found really surprising. Um, you can you, you can make a really great argument for SEO, but for UX and, and like you say, intent in and one of uh, the kind of recent examples um, we did on a client site was we just improved the color contrast on their product pages of the reviews. They had a review section under their product pages amazing reviews that customers love the products, but it was on kind of a, a lilac-y flowery background with gray text over the top. And I have pretty good vision and I struggled to read it. So we just improved the color contrast, made the text a bit bigger, made the background image a flat color and, and not flowers cool. because it's quite hard and weird on your eyes. And those pages improved in conversion rate by nearly 8% just That's by amazing. doing that. That's amazing. So, Exactly. So it doesn't just need to be, oh, we're making this accessible. So that sort of subset of, of our customer base can use our site, which you should be doing anyway. I shouldn't explain right. why you should be making it accessible. Um, but there's also all of these other benefits. There's all of these other like SEO benefits and UX benefits and just great user experience. Like anyone would appreciate your bullet points at the start of the article so they don't have to read the rest. Um, can I ask you a question about this? I, and I'm asking in pure ignorance. So I do know with color blindness, there's different formats of color blindness. So some mm. people can see certain colors, some people can't see certain colors. Certain colors are problematic for one person and, and another person they're not, mm. and vice versa. How do you how do you deal with color contrast knowing that there's like different types of um, visual impairments? Oh, that's a good question. So I think a good rule of thumb is rather than the actual colors themselves being the issue, it is just kind of foreground and background uh, difference and, and the contrast. 
So making sure that they are, and there's loads of tools out there that you can use to kind of check your color contrast um, in Chrome extensions and stuff like that. I think so long as you are making sure that the color contrast is great enough and preferably not kind of a black background because that's just difficult for everyone. Right. Um, that seems to, I believe, cater for most most requirements. Cool. cool. So that solves that. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I, I think so anyway. I'm, I'm happy. No, that, that makes sense. That makes, that makes total sense. For Good sure. Um, yeah, and I suppose the last thing that we really kind of dove into in, in a great deal of a uh, great amount of detail was um, forms. Um, and that's something else I wanted to talk about because cool. um, you see, for example, if you're checking out on an e-commerce site and you're putting in your details, quite often, same format, you have first name, form field, last name, form field, address line one, form field. Um, and for someone, again, that is looking at a page visually, you can see that that form field relates to first name. So it's really easy for you to understand that in that form or in that field, I need to put my first name. But if you're not associating these properly in your HTML, if someone's using a screen reader, they're just tapping to blank form field, blank form field, blank form field. Right. And how do they know? Because there's just sort of text somewhere on the page that does link to it, but they're not properly associated. Um, and we see that quite often as well. I've done that. I've done that by accident. I've totally done that. For sure. And I think we will have at some point. I, I'm sure there's probably forms kicking around that that I, I've worked on that have done that. Um, but it is just important. And it's it's quite easy to test. There's... Um, I use Chromebox, um, which is a, a free Chrome extension, um, and it's a screen reader. And I am not skilled with a screen reader at all because it's not what I do. Um, so I normally test things because I think, well, if I can use a screen reader um, to, to fill out this form or to understand this page, then, then surely someone who is well-practiced can. Um, but, good yeah, point. Forms. forms forms are, are a pain forms um, are a pain in every sense of the word creating them filling them out for sure accessibility everything forms are the worst Ugh, form yeah. you get a form a guy gotta fill this out Ugh. Ugh, see no one likes yeah. forms just do away with it altogether oh, particularly when you're buying tickets not that anyone's buying tickets for anything <laughs> i'm buying <laughs> tickets to my couch yeah exactly i'm buying tickets to the living room today um, <laughs> God. Sometimes I fill out forms to buy things that I just auto generate myself to feel better. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Like, oh, I'm gonna fill out if I'm gonna buy a plane ticket, fill out a form. Oh, where are you going? And um to to my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> Am I allowed to go to my backyard? It's, it's outside. Are we allowed to go outside? I don't know. Maybe with one other person? I, I Maybe, know. but only for five minutes and if you're only if you're 50 meters away, which actually works for most family members with me. Like, you have to be 50 meters away? No problem. Crack on. Go ahead. <laughs> Can we do this after Corona? There oh. are certain things I like to keep after Corona ends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I like the fact that, like, hey, I can't visit you and you can't visit me because Corona so maybe it could be like personal Corona. <laughs> just like, just so we don't have to live up to those obligations. Right. So we don't have to live those. Right. Perfect. Oh, and there it goes like four alerts on my computer as that interrupts the, uh, the recording. I'm not oh. editing that out by the way. Like all no. the, yeah, you probably can't hear it, but it'll probably show up on the recording. You know, when someone slacks you 10 times 
and then yeah, no, I've had a few lucks. And I am, yeah. yeah. I thought it was just like people unfriending you on Facebook or something. Like, no, no, oh, there's no sound for that. That happens in silence. That happens in silence. <laughs> as well, it should. Okay, so before we end, where can people find you? So other than in your house, not going outside anywhere. Trick question. <laughs> Um, so people can find me at Erudite. My um, email address, if you want to email me, is just uh, jess.james at erudite.agency. Um, Do you like or, links? Because I, I know people who will email you if you like links. Oh, no, thank you. I don't like links. Okay. Just no wanted links. to clear that up before anybody listening to this podcast got the wrong idea about what they should email you about. Oh, yeah. No, no, no links. Thanks. Um, and the same goes for LinkedIn. You don't need to message me about your, your LinkedIn right. services. But the, the, um, the sites that I'm offering on my, with my links have high domain authority. Do they? Oh, yes. great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yours and everyone else's. Yep. <laughs> my, yeah. um, Sorry. So where else can people find you? That's cool. No, um, or on Twitter, I suppose it's probably the best place. It's Jessica underscore James zero one. And I will um, link where, that in the show notes. Thanks very much. I tweet very rarely. Um, I should be better at it. There's really no better or worse at tweeting. Like, I don't think it's a skill. Do you not? I mean, I, I personally live on Twitter. Yeah, I, 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 see, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. I scroll a lot. I'm just like a lurker. So, yeah, you I'm know? like that on Facebook. I don't post. I don't do anything on Facebook. I hate Facebook. <laughs> but I'm there. Yeah. just yeah. I'm, I'm just there to watch videos of dogs. <laughs> and people making things out of pastry and cheese. Right. I love that. <laughs> like, they're like some guy... You know, he's cuts down a tree, makes a fire, kills a cow, cuts it up and makes a steak on Facebook in 30 seconds. Oh, uh, so your Facebook's obviously way more highbrow than mine. Mine is person gets ready rolled pastry, sprinkles cheese, cuts it into a pattern, <laughs> and twists it a bit, 10 minutes in the oven, dinner. So I had I watched one video of someone cooking a steak and now all of my YouTube videos, all my Facebook videos are about steak and cats because I watched one cat video. I don't like cats. But now you get steak. But now all I have are cats and steak. Steak's all right there. Steak's cool. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not cutting down a tree and grilling it in the middle of the woods, but you have a guy. I feel like we can have a conversation about Facebook for like the next half hour, how much I hate Facebook. Yeah, but I sure. have to end the show. No worries. I'm sad. I'm sad because this is very tempting for me to do. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for coming on. When can you find the next episode of the SEO rant? I don't know. No one knows. There's no set date. There's no set time. It comes out whenever. So check out the SEO rant.com subscribe or check out wherever you consume great podcasts and subscribe there as well or not there as well. You only subscribe to one place. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Toodles.